So Lord, once again, we come into this worship experience with grateful hearts, thanking You that uh, You are good. We can celebrate with all of our life that You've been so good to us and You continue to be good. And so as we look at Your Word now, I pray that the goodness that You are would truly shine in us and come out through us as we praise You through Your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, some of you will remember that two weeks ago, I preached Psalm 45 on the royal wedding. And I had an overwhelming response to that sermon because I wore my tuxedo. And everybody was praising because of the tuxedo that that I wore. Today we turn to Psalm 47. And it calls for a different kind of celebration. And I considered today... Uh, wearing a cheerleader outfit and bringing pom-poms and cowbells and that kind of thing, but, but I chickened out. So you'll have to bear with me in my regular uniform today. Sometimes, as you know, life is really sweet. Life is good, and everything goes great. Um, you're healthy. Uh, your family is healthy. Um, Everyone around you in your family and in your circle of friends is getting along. Your relationships are really, really strong. And life just really is is going well. Um, In times of bounty and when times are going good and when everything is flowing in a positive direction, it's really easy to celebrate. But other times in life, you know, nothing seems to go right. Uh, life appears to be falling apart. You get that uh, doctor's diagnosis that, you know, you might have cancer and you worry yourself to death over that. Or the doctor tells you that you have a devastating injury and it really puts a dark cloud over your life. Maybe you have a family member who has been diagnosed with COVID-19. Maybe your relationships are just flat falling apart. Nobody can get along. Maybe you're frustrated because you can't get close to people and because you have a fear of disease at your work or even out in public everywhere you go. You struggle with the fear of death that seems to be uh, kind of a blanket over the whole world and creates a spirit of a dark cloud everywhere you go. In times like this, in times of struggle and distress, it seems inconceivable that you could rejoice. But the Bible says in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. In other words, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi and he's writing from prison and he should be the one that's in distress and yet he's writing to the church encouraging them to rejoice in the Lord no matter what the circumstances are around life. So when spiritual priorities are in order as they were with the Apostle Paul, rejoicing is not circumstantial. It's it's, it's an automatic reflex. 
Rejoicing is just like breathing air. It's natural. It's normal. And it just comes so easily. Psalm 47 is a psalm of praise. And I want you to turn there with me today because even though this psalm was probably written by a king who was returning from a great victory celebration, a great battle celebration, just like many people today, when the psalmist wrote this psalm, everything around him was not perfect. Everything around him was not going just great all the time. And so it's a great reminder of a critically valuable response to life that as we read this psalm, regardless of the circumstances around us, we can rejoice. And so I invite you today to rejoice with us as we read this psalm. Do you have your Bible open? Let's read along with Psalm 47. The superscript says, For the choir director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Verse 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. For the Lord, the Most High, is awe-inspiring, a great king over the whole earth. He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. He chooses for us our inheritance, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. Selah. God ascends among shouts of joy, the Lord with the sound of trumpets. Sing praise to God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our King. Sing praise. Sing a song of wisdom, for God is King of the whole earth. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the peoples have assembled with the people of God of Abraham. For the leaders of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. This is the word of the Lord to the people of God. So look with me today at three reasons. Three reasons why we should rejoice. Reason number one, rejoice because God is awesome. We see this in verse 1. Verse 1 says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. Our culture today knows a lot about clapping hands and rejoicing. Let me ask you a question. When do you clap your hands and yell and joyfully scream like crazy? See, most people Rejoice like this when things are going well. Maybe your sports team is winning. Maybe your child has achieved a great achievement. I mean, when things are going well, we do clap our hands and yell and joyfully scream like crazy. We know what that feels like. However, much of the time, life is tough. J.I. Packer wrote one of the best books I've read describing the magnificence of God. It's entitled Knowing God. And in chapter 8 of that book, he says, and I quote, The world dwarfs us all, but God dwarfs the world. He's referring to the capacity, the human capacity that we have to live beyond and above our circumstances and place our focus on God. 
The psalmist calls all nations to rejoice in God with enthusiastic hand-clapping celebration. The clapping of hands is a gesture to call attention to something significant. It could be positive and it could be negative. I mean, if your child is moving toward the street and starting to step out in the street, you clap your hands to get the child's attention, to keep the child from going into danger. But most often, we, we symbolize the, the idea of clapping with something positive, with something joyful. That's what the psalmist is calling us to do with reference to the magnificence of God. He's calling us to clap our hands because God is above all. God is supreme. And when God is the highest priority in our life, we have to celebrate. We want to clap our hands and sing a joyful song. In Timothy Keller's book, The Song of Jesus, he says, and I quote, God is the fuel to our souls. God is the fuel that our souls were designed to run on. The greater we submit to Him, the greater pleasure we will have in life. And I would add, even in times of misery. As we recover from COVID-19, I pray that our sleepy world is experiencing a wake-up call to the majesty of God. I pray that we will not miss this wake-up call to spend Time giving praise and celebration to our God because the glory of God is revealed to us today and it's best revealed to us through Jesus, our Savior. If I had a cowbell, this is where I would ring that cowbell as a cheerleader to God. See, the glory of God is best revealed in Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the Bible says God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Take a moment and just in your spirit, celebrate. Celebrate the fact that God has sent Jesus to show us what to celebrate and why we should celebrate. But the psalmist goes on in Psalm 47, verses 2 through 4. He specifically tells us why God is awesome and why we should clap our hands and rejoice out loud in celebrating God. Look at verse 2, for the Lord, the Most High, is awe-inspiring, a great king over the whole earth. The idea he's talking about is that when you truly know God, nothing holds a higher priority in your life than celebrating Him. You are drawn to reverence His sovereignty he talks about in verse 2 being a great king over the whole earth. That idea of sovereignty means that nothing happens without God knowing about it. Everything that happens in all of life, including your life and my life, is under the knowledge of God. He either causes everything to happen or He allows everything to happen. 
He is sovereign. And when we know Him in that kind of relationship, understanding who He is, and that He is in charge, then we can't help but celebrate. Again, when you truly know God, you know Him as awe-inspiring. And you're drawn to reverence Him in obedient worship. And so, again, I call you today to rejoice with me in worshiping God for who He is. See, you worship whatever you value most in life, don't you? Where is God in your priority list? I mean, really. Is He up there off the charts on your priority list so that you can't help but rejoice in Him and celebrate Him no matter what happens in your life? For the psalmist, God held that priority place in his heart. And he poured out his words of celebration to God. He couldn't help but celebrate God in awesome worship. In verse 3, he says, He subdues peoples under us and nations under our feet. Are you aware that all earthly rulers have limited authority. But God's authority is absolute. God's authority is universal. God's authority is overall. God's authority is unhindered. Is that your view of God? Is that the way you relate to Him today and every day? See, to truly know Him is to truly know how awesome He actually is. And the psalmist understood that. In verse 4, he says, He chooses for us our inheritance, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. Selah. Now, anytime you see this word Selah in the Psalms, it means that it's time to reflect. It's time to look back and ponder what's just been said. And as we look back and ponder what the psalmist has said here, we understand that the psalmist had a a great understanding of history, didn't he? He gives us a, a history lesson here. See, God gave the promised land to His chosen people, Israel. Israel is the descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And the expression here in verse 4, whom He loves, is a reference to God's covenant love that He made with Israel, that He made with His special people, His elected people, Israel. God chose His people only because of His grace. If you look at the life of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the descendants that they had that we know as Israel, It was not because God's people were wiser or better than any other people on the earth. It was simply because God chose to love them. God chose to use them as His chosen people. For them and for us today, there is no place for superiority or pride in being chosen by God for Him to love us. Just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Israel's ancestors, 
We are only saved by God's grace. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, we have a perfect picture of this. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Verse 9, not from works, so that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us. Do you see it? God's chosen people are His people because God chose to love us. He chose to put us in that position of representing Him and knowing Him and loving Him. So we don't deserve to be loved by God any more than Israel. When you consider that God has chosen to love you, how can you help but praise Him and worship Him and sing shouts of joy with a jubilant heart to Him? The awesomeness of that love that He has for us causes us to rejoice. This is Memorial Day, as you know. We celebrate with this weekend as uh, remembering those who have given their lives in the ultimate sacrifice. When someone makes an ultimate sacrifice for your benefit, the natural response to that is to celebrate. I grew up in a culture of chaos. Our nation was in a very unpopular war during my teenage and early adult years. I'm so grateful today that I never fell into the trap of disrespect as many did. See, I had friends who gave the ultimate sacrifice of their life for the freedom of our country. And I can't help but celebrate someone like that who's willing to give their life in exchange for freedom for a person like me. I'm so grateful for them. So you can't help but respect those who make it possible for you to have better than you deserve. And when you think about what God has done for us with reference to that small example of why we celebrate Memorial Day here in our country, we can't help but understand what an awesome God God is. And again, we can't help but rejoice in Him. We can't help but celebrate as believers in Christ Jesus. God has chosen His people for His inheritance through Jesus. And today, we can rejoice because God is an awesome God. Secondly, we rejoice because God is worthy above all. Look at verse 5 of Psalm 47. God ascends among shouts of joy, the Lord with the sound of trumpets. See, the celebration is breaking out. In in the day of the psalmist, the ram's horn or the trumpet had one of two meanings. One meaning 
was to announce the coming of the king. When the king was approaching a place, a trumpet would sound and people would bow down and worship the king. The sounding of the trumpet is also uh, initiation to the beginning of a celebration. And so the writer of Psalms, the writer of Psalm 47, was looking at the announcement of a king. He was looking at the announcement of a great celebration. The writer of the New Testament book of Revelation, the last book in our Bible, picks up this theme in Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Verse 11, skip down to verse 11. Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Everything we know, everything we are is at the mercy of God's creation. Nothing is worthy of glory and honor and power any more than the name of God. And that's why we're called today to join the psalmist in rejoicing. See, this theme dominates the book of Revelation. You can't read through the book of Revelation without seeing that nothing outshines God's love. And for believers today, Nothing outshines God's love for us through Jesus, God's gift of salvation to you and me. So let's rejoice. Let's celebrate that great gift that God has given us. He is celebrating the entrance of a king. He is celebrating the fact that victory has been won for you and me through Jesus. So how is celebration actually communicated today? In the day that this psalm was written, in the day of the psalmist, the announcement of victory celebration was sounded by a ram's horn or a trumpet. Today, I feel like one of the quickest ways to spread the news of celebration is through social media. We have the opportunity today to let the world know what God is doing in our life through a means that many people can capture at one time that we call social media. Within minutes after one of our interns here at the church graduated from Coastal a couple of weeks ago, Scholar, we celebrated on social media. Within minutes this week, this past week, when, when Kyle, one of our staff members, graduated from seminary, within two minutes after his graduation, it popped up on social media and we were celebrating with him and his family over achieving graduation from seminary and earning that degree. Imagine you and me today acknowledging every God moment that we have through social media. I mean, we celebrate everything else through social media. So why don't we take advantage of social media to sound the trumpet today to the communities in which we live 
through this means of communication. See, when God is truly higher than anything else in your life and in my life, we can't help but celebrate Him because of the awesomeness of who He is. You can't help but rejoice out loud. You can't help but sound the clearest sound possible to let everybody know that He is the highest priority in life. That's what the psalmist was doing. A few years ago, a seeker named Warren began attending our church events. I'm telling you, that man came to everything that our church offered. He heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds of times, but never responded. He always kind of had the stiff arm out to responding to the gospel. Last year, he and his wife Terry moved to Ohio, and we continued to pray for Warren, but in kind of a sad way that he had left here and never had trusted Jesus as his Savior. Well, yesterday, I received an email saying that Warren had trusted Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior. I mean, for a year or so after he left here, we continued to pray for him. And now through social media, I joined in the celebration of Warren coming to know Jesus, making the most important decision that a person can make in life and celebrating life in Jesus. I told one of our prayer warriors through social media that some plant and some water, but God gives the increase. Today, we credit Warren's salvation just as we, we credit my salvation. And if you've been saved, your salvation to the glory of God. Glory to God on highest for his salvation. See, God is worthy. So again, I call you today to rejoice with the clearest method possible. Whatever your clear method of, of celebrating is, make sure the priority of all of your celebration is focused toward celebrating God. Again, in verses 6 and 7 of Psalm 47, the psalmist describes how he sounded his praise. Five times he calls for repeated sounds, orderly sounds of praise. Look at it in verse 6. Sing praise to God. Sing praise. Sing praise to our King. Sing praise. Sing a song of wisdom, for God is King of the whole earth. See, believers overflow. It's effervescent with rejoicing because of the God of our salvation. Not anything that we've done, but because of who He is. We always praise what we value, don't we? The higher the value, the more we praise. Whatever song you have in your heart, it's going to come out. Now, for some people, I mean, you're familiar with the music world. I mean, you listen to some songs in the music world and you understand that whoever wrote that song, whatever the writer of that song was feeling is very down and out, very dark, very sad. What's in your heart is going to come out in your song. And for the psalmist, what was coming out of his heart 
with something joyful, something of a sound of celebration. And I pray that will be the sound of your heart today as well. And will come out through the song in your heart. Now, some of you may be like me. You may not be a professional singer. You don't have to be to have a song in your heart for God. And whatever that song is in your heart, let it come out as you join me in rejoicing in who God is. Some of you have worked hard in school. You've earned a diploma. You've earned a degree. And praise flows from your family. Some of you work hard at your vocation. And in addition to a paycheck, you get praise from workers around you or maybe even get praise from your boss. This is all tangible stuff. God is worthy of praise to such a much higher degree than all of this stuff that we could ever earn or accomplish on this earth. In 2016, I remember well, the Coastal Carolina University baseball team won the NCAA Division I National Championship in Omaha, Nebraska. I remember going out to the airport when they were returning from Omaha nearly at midnight, late in the night, to celebrate with our community as they roll back into town off of that airplane. And I remember the whole region joined in those celebrations as they, as they broke out. And this celebration went on and lasted and lasted for months. I remember Coach Gilmore going around and speaking all over the place with team members. And the community was giving accolade after accolade after accolade for that great victory. And that was so exciting. It was such a celebration. But again, when you know God, when you know Him for who He is, nothing on this earth can compare to the celebration that we have in our heart. And we should be giving with our lives to express that celebration to Him. Nothing compares to the promise we have in Him. So as king of the whole earth, God alone is worthy of praise. So rejoice, because God is worthy above all. And then finally this morning, we turn to the last two verses in our psalm. And rejoice because God is the authority over all. Look at verse 8. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. The nobles of the peoples have assembled with the people of the God of Abraham. For the leaders of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. So, when will God exercise this authority that we're talking about here and that the writer of the psalm was talking about here? His authority to reign over the nations, over all peoples, over all people groups, to carry out His eternal purposes. When is that going to happen? And when will He be greatly exalted? As the songwriter says here. Well, the Bible puts it very clearly in Revelation chapter 11. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, the Bible says the seventh angel blew his trumpet. And there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ and He will reign forever and ever. 
What an exciting time. And you can be part of that celebration. But here's the most beautiful part of that story. You don't have to wait till eternity to be part of that celebration. You can join in that celebration right now. And I urge you to join me today in rejoicing in that celebration. Accept the call to worship and to exalt God now while you live here on this earth, while you're breathing His air here on this earth. See, the key to living above the circumstances that swirl around us that many times are so negative in life is a matter of focus. We have a choice. Philippians 4.4 reminds us to focus not on ourselves, but to focus on the Lord. He says rejoice in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. See, when your focus is in the Lord, then circumstances take a back seat. When you focus away from yourself and you focus on God, you can't help but rejoice. And I encourage you today to join me in that time of celebration, to join me in that rejoicing. The book of Psalms looks ahead to God's rule through Christ over the whole earth. The first coming of Jesus inaugurated His reign here on this earth. One day the earth is going to be restored. And one day, that glorious day, Christ Jesus will celebrate His earthly reign over all peoples, over all the nations following His second coming. The writer of Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, puts it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So comfort one another, the Bible says. Encourage one another with these words. See, we rejoice today because God is authority over all. Jesus came to this earth the first time. It was thousands of years after God first formed His covenant with Abraham. And most people had forgotten about that promise that Jesus was coming to the earth. But just as surely as you breathe God's air on this earth, Jesus came and walked on this earth 
and lived a perfect life. He died for your sin, was buried, and on the third day arose again so that you could have victory over death, just like he had victory over death. And the description you have here is that after he ascended into heaven, one day he's coming back again. And just like for thousands of years, people forgot about the promise that God had made to Abraham when Jesus came to this earth the first time. Just as surely as he came the first time, he's coming back the second time. And my prayer is that you will be ready to be rejoicing with him when he comes back again. That when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise, and if we're still alive when that time comes, which we well may be, We're caught up together with Him in the clouds. I pray that you'll be there. You'll be there in that number. You'll be part of that celebration of rejoicing. See, this is a great promise. In Revelation chapter 11 and verse 15, here's how God wraps up the story. See, the kingdom of the world, the last part of verse 15, Revelation chapter 11, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He will reign forever and ever. And my prayer, my sincere prayer, is that you will be there reigning with Him. Not because of anything that you've done. See, I call you today to celebrate. And there's two steps to celebration. The first step to celebration and the first call to celebration is for those of you who, like Warren, had never come to that place in your life where you trusted Jesus as your Savior. I don't know what you've been through in life. I don't know where you've been through life. But if you've been rejecting God's call to you to come to Him through Jesus for salvation, I challenge you today, first of all, to admit that You need God. That you are a sinner and your sin separates you from God. I challenge you today to put your faith in Jesus. Believe that He came to this earth and lived that perfect life and died for your sin. Shed His blood to pay the price for the penalty of your sin. And I pray that today you will commit your life to Jesus because you can't celebrate You can't truly celebrate. You don't have the fuel in life to rejoice and celebrate until you trust Jesus. So would you commit your life to Him today? And then commit your life for the rest of your life in living for Jesus and rejoicing in Him. That's one call for rejoicing today. And if you've never accepted that call, I pray that you will accept it. But there's a second call. And that's for those of us who already know Jesus. Why is there so little celebration of what God is doing on this earth today? Are you putting other things in front of God? Are you putting things above Him as the priority of your life over Him? God said, you shall have no other gods before me. God said, don't put any idols, don't put anything in this world ahead of me. And so today I'm calling those of you who have trusted Christ to join the celebration 
to let the party again begin and through every area of life celebrate Him. There are three application points now that I just want to call our attention to as we wrap it up today. First of all, God is worthy of all praise at all times. See, our praise for God doesn't need to be circumstantial. Our praise for God needs to be so focused that we rejoice in the Lord always, letting nothing stand in the way of that celebration. Secondly, I would challenge you today to rejoice in making all of life about Jesus. I mean, that's the vision of our church around here. We want to create an environment and give opportunities for people and assist people in making all of life about Jesus. Because when we do that, our life is in Him and our rejoicing is in Him and we can't help but celebrate. And then a third way, you've heard it said before that when all else fails, turn to God. Please don't let that be the story of your life. My challenge to us today is that before everything fails, turn to God and rejoice. In other words, make Him the priority of your life and let that, re let that result in rejoicing. A number of years ago, I was trying to help a couple build a life and build a marriage as I've spent many, many, many weeks and months and years of my life doing. And with this couple, we had been working together through the seven areas of life for about four months. And the young man chose to bail out. This, this happens quite often. I mean, a lot of times people uh, understand the gospel and they get close to the gospel. And for whatever reason, they just, they just bail out and stiff arm God and say, no thanks, God. Well, I learned a very valuable lesson as I invested so much energy and time into that couple and especially that young man. And here's the lesson that God taught me, and I pray that I'll never forget it. A troubled person is a person to be loved, not a project to fix. See, people often change slowly and struggle severely. And oftentimes, we just need to come alongside them and love them and keep on loving them regardless of their behavior, regardless of their actions. Just love them as a person of God, not a project to try to fix. I've been reminded of that as I rejoice today in who God is and as I rejoice in what God has done, as I rejoice in what God is going to do for us in the future for eternity. So once again today, I call on you to join the rejoicing celebration. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let me say it again. Rejoice. God, I thank you today that there would be many people who hear the message from the psalmist that's translated throughout the gospel and culminates in the writing of the revelation that one day every knee will bow every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your faith that you give us as you call us to yourself. And help us today to accept that gift of grace and that gift of faith. And not only trust Jesus, and I pray many will trust Jesus today, but I pray that we will get excited, that you will build a fire under us so that we will celebrate what we prize most in life, and that is you, Lord, our awesome God and our awesome Savior. God, let our lives today truly be a life of rejoicing celebration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.